Welcome to Apologetics with Brian O'Connell, where in each episode, I answer difficult questions that confront Christianity. In our last episode, I made the claim that the Christian Bible contains predictive prophecy, which no other religious book contains, and I gave several examples of these prophecies. One of the examples I gave was the Bible mentioning the names of kings hundreds of years before they were born. Another example was the mention of the Persian Empire, which was mentioned long before the empire ever existed. We ended our last episode by looking at prophecies that related to the birth, life, and death of Jesus. In this episode, we will continue to look at other prophecies that relate to Jesus. We will also look at mathematical probability to see if it's possible for the prophecies that are fulfilled by Jesus to be fulfilled by anybody else. So now let's look at other prophecies that relate to Jesus. As I ended our last episode, I mentioned that there are Old Testament prophecies that related to the resurrection of Jesus. For example, in Psalm 16, Verses 9 through 10, it says, You will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. Another prophecy regarding the resurrection of Jesus comes from Isaiah chapter 25, verse 8, where Isaiah writes that he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. All of these prophecies regarding Christ's birth, life, death, and resurrection were all written between 500 to 1,000 years before Christ was born. Now, you may be telling yourself that Jesus purposely fulfilled these prophecies, like riding on a colt, in order to make it seem like he was the fulfillment of Old Testament scripture. However, if you notice, I intentionally mentioned prophecies in which Jesus could not have controlled the actions of others. These prophecies could not have been fulfilled accidentally by Jesus. So, does it really matter? Is it that impressive to say that Jesus fulfilled these different prophecies? Well, yes, it does matter, and yes, it is extremely impressive. In fact, in their book, Who Made God?, Ravi Zacharias and Norman Geisler point out that the odds of Jesus fulfilling prophecies by accident would be staggering. To make their case, they quote the mathematician and astronomer Peter Stoner. Peter Stoner, who was the chairman of Westmont College's science division in the mid-50s, worked with 600 students to come up with their best estimate of the mathematical probability of just eight New Testament prophecies being fulfilled in any one person living down to the present time. Taking all eight prophecies together, Stoner then calculated the odds at one chance in a hundred million billion. In fact, Dr. Stoner provides an incredible example of the probability of someone being able to fulfill just eight of the Old Testament prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. In his signature book, Science Speaks, Stoner writes, Let us try to visualize this chance. If you mark one of ten tickets 
and place all of the tickets in a hat and thoroughly stir them, and then ask a blindfolded man to draw one, his chance of getting the right ticket is 1 in 10. Suppose that we take 10 to the 17th power silver dollars and lay them on the face of Texas. They would cover all of the state two feet deep. Now, mark one of the silver dollars and stir the whole mass thoroughly all over the state. Blindfold a man and tell him that he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick up one silver dollar and say that this is the right one. What chance would he have of getting the right one? Just the same chance that the prophets would have had of writing these eight prophecies and having them all come true in any one man from their day to the present time, providing they wrote using their own wisdom. Now, these prophecies were either given by inspiration of God or the prophets just wrote them as they thought they should be. In such a case, the prophets had just one chance in 10 to the 17th power of having them come true in any man, but they all came true in Christ. This means that the fulfillment of these eight prophecies alone proves that God inspired the writing of those prophecies to a definiteness which lacks only one chance in 10 to the 17th power of being absolute. Although there are many other prophecies that could be mentioned, the ones that I've just mentioned clearly show that the Bible is divine and clearly unlike any other religious book. As Stoner's calculations show, the fulfillment of those prophecies by Jesus points to a divine element needed in order for those prophecies to have been fulfilled. The evidence clearly shows that the Christian Bible is unlike any other religious book. More than that, the evidence shows that the Christian scripture truly is inspired by God. Before I move on, let me address a common argument that I hear. Oftentimes I hear it argued that there are psychics or others like Nostradamus who have made predictions and prophecies that have come true. However, Josh McDowell, in his book The New Evidence That Demands a Verdict, examined these claims and points out that a study of prophecies made by psychics in 1975 and observed until 1981 showed that of 72 predictions, only six were fulfilled in any way. Two of these were vague and two others were hardly surprising, that the United States and Russia would remain leading powers and that there would be no world wars. McDowell mentioned other studies that likewise revealed failed attempts of prophecy by the world's top psychics. One of the most intriguing prophets was Nostradamus. Now, I say prophet not because he was a biblical prophet, but because people today think of him as a prophet. However, even though there have been documentaries made and books written showing how precise, detailed, and accurate his predictions were, when one looks at his actual writings and predictions, they find that his predictions are extremely vague. In fact, Josh McDowell points out that the highly reputed predictions of Nostradamus were not that amazing at all. Contrary to popular belief, he never predicted either the place or the year of the Great California Earthquake. Most of his famous predictions, such as the rise of Hitler, were vague. As other psychics, he was frequently wrong, a false prophet by biblical standards. 
So going back to the Bible, what else makes the Bible unique? Well, if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, you may not realize that the Bible is actually a collection of 66 different books that were written over 1,500 years. These 66 different books were also written by 40 different authors in three different languages and on three different continents. So why is this important? Well, because even though the Bible is made up of 66 different books that were written over 1,500 years in three different languages by 40 different authors, it reads as though it is one book written by one author. In fact, in their book, Introduction to the Bible, Norman Geisler and William Nix provide an excellent argument for there being one divine author. They point out that the paradise lost of Genesis becomes the paradise regained of Revelation. Whereas the gate to the tree of life is closed in Genesis, it is reopened forevermore in Revelation. Another fascinating fact about the Bible is that Jesus Christ is the leading character throughout the Bible. For example, Josh McDowell, quoting Geisler and Nix, writes this, Consider first the Old Testament. The law provides the foundation for Christ, the historical books, the preparation for Christ, the poetical works aspire to Christ, and the prophecies display an expectation of Christ. In the New Testament, the Gospels record the historical manifestation of Christ, the Acts relate the propagation of Christ, the Epistles give the interpretation of Him, and in Revelation is found the consummation of all things in Christ. Maybe you're listening to this episode and thinking, Brian, I understand that Jesus is the leading character throughout the New Testament, but what do you mean he's the leading character throughout the Old Testament? To answer your doubts or objections, I'd argue that you need to read Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 53. The reason I say this is because these passages record the famous post-resurrection encounter of Jesus by two of his followers on the road to Emmaus. If you're unfamiliar with the story, this is what takes place. Jesus joins two of his followers as they're on their way to Emmaus. They don't recognize him in his resurrected state, and they're discussing rumors that have been circulating. The rumors that Jesus has risen from the dead. These men are confused and they can't believe their ears. Not only that, but these men were depressed because they had hoped that he was the Messiah and that he would rescue Israel. Again, you truly need to read the story, but the highlights I just gave will work for the point I'm trying to make. What's entertaining about this whole account is that even though these followers are depressed about the events they're describing, Jesus doesn't encourage them by saying, wow, I can see that this is extremely hard on you both. Instead, he flat out rebukes them. Listen to his response. In verse 25, it says, Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? What's even more amazing is what takes place in verse 27 where it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. 
the Old Testament clearly speaks of Christ, which is why in John chapter 1, verse 45, it says that Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Not only that, but you should ask yourself, when it says in several passages that Paul would go into the synagogues and reason with the Jews from the scriptures in order to prove to them that Jesus was the Messiah, or in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 to 42, when Peter preached to the crowds, what are these men or the other disciples and apostles preaching from? Or in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 to 4, where Paul says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that Christ was buried and was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. What scripture is Paul referring to? These men and the early church didn't have the New Testament. No, what they had was the Old Testament scriptures and they used the Old Testament scriptures to preach Christ. So again, Jesus Christ is the leading character throughout the Bible. And I hope that this understanding will change the way that you read the scripture. As I end this episode, let me bring back the arguments that are made by Muslims, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, and others about the Bible. That it's been altered over hundreds of years to make it say what Christians want it to say. Or that the Bible was written by a man and is filled with fairy tales and can't be trusted. We've seen in this episode that the Bible is unlike any other religious book in that it contains predictive prophecy. Not only that, but it was shown that it is mathematically impossible for Jesus to have fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies unless God inspired the scripture. But are these so-called prophecies real? Or has the Bible been altered by Christians to make it seem like these prophecies were fulfilled by Jesus? Can scripture be trusted? Well, come back next time as we answer these questions. That's all the time that we have for today. Come back next time as we look at the manuscript evidence for the Bible to see how this evidence points to the reliability of Scripture. God bless.